And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Rates and Barrels. I'm sorry it is my voice and not the sweet dulcet tones of Derek Van Riper. Uh, I'm sure there'll be other moments when you'll notice non-smooth transitions uh, and a general blabbing of the mouth without Derek here to tell me to shut up. So uh, I apologize ahead of time for that, but I do not apologize for our guest today. Uh, really happy to have a longtime friend uh, and co-manager of our Devils Rejects team, James Anderson from Rotowire on. Uh, how are you doing, James? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me, buddy. Um, I'm still uh, reveling in last night's Bucks win, but uh, this is, uh, is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy watching them. Giannis with the the blood streaming down his face, uh, just uh, taking every taking on the whole team. I love like you know those little like finger rolls over three people. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, but here on the baseball front, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the minor leagues. Uh, James does a great job uh, covering prospects, along with other things. It's not just prospects, but. Uh, uh, we'll talk about uh, how uh, I'll finish first and he'll finish second in labor uh, this year. Uh, uh, maybe a little bit of that. Uh, we'll talk about some movers on his uh, rankings um, that that will be coming out shortly. Um, he does some really nice, really deep uh, dynasty rankings and prospect rankings um, that uh, will be useful. I think because you know this is an interesting thing. This is it's not on the rundown, but uh, let's talk about this because. Uh, we are in Devil's Rejects right now. We are like, uh, I think, somewhere around six, fifth or six, um, you know, depending on the day. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, there are other people who are in that sort of spot where it's fifth and six out of 20. So we're definitely, you know, among the contenders. Uh, but I think there are a lot of people who are in this spot where it's like, when do you make the decision to go for it and acquire or to, to start selling off. And there is probably some advantage to make that decision quicker in terms of what you might get on the market, you know, for your players. Uh, on the other hand, you might miss out on a run. So um, you can talk about within the context of our team or just generally like, you know, in your dynasty leagues, um, how much longer are you going to give it before you sell or definitively buy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on sort of the dynasty format a little bit too. Uh, like I know DVR commissions the that Maki League, uh, or I think I think that's what it's called. But um, like it's it's a league where you can quickly rebuild via trades, um, and in in those types of leagues, I think there's a ton to be gained by by uh, rebuilding. Uh, sooner than later is that uh, uh is that because of the what is it something about the format or is it's, it the yeah, players, it's, it's, the it's, a, it's a contract league so it's like uh mm. you know you can only keep guys for so long uh mm. so that makes it easy to kind of um rebuild uh over a span of like a year or two uh but like in our league devil's rejects uh rebuilding i think in this league would take maybe four years I don't there know are guys that. in that league who have been rebuilding the whole time yeah. i've been there yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just like because it's it, you keep each team keeps twenty eight guys, and there's year. no no limit, right? And the and it's just not a league where, um, like, obviously the the elite prospects have have a ton of value, but like having the sixtieth best prospect, or just having a bunch of prospects from like fifty to one fifty in this league just isn't that advantageous <clears throat> because each team's only keeping 28. And so um, I, I just think, uh, I mean, you obviously have to be realistic with your, yourself about just sort of how close you actually are. Uh, 
like the worst place to be usually is kind of in that that middle of the pack range in your league. A little bit um, where we are. It's a little bit tough. I mean, we're staring at Cody Bellinger being like, "Do you have another? Do you have another gear, please?" <laughs> yeah, we. I, I think we're just trying to like we have too many good uh, players who are in their primes to think about rebuilding because we just. Uh, like we're in striking distance and I mean this this league pays out I think what like one through five and yeah if we just if we can catch some breaks from a health standpoint uh like last year we were just uh we could not stay healthy at all and yeah um so I I just I think we gotta just keep uh keep fighting keep pushing uh but if we were like if we were in 12th place in this league uh you know, you'd have to look at the roster a little bit, but um, that's that's not where you want to be. I think you want to be. And, and if you are in that situation and, you know, you're below halfway, like now seems like an okay time to start, you know, talks, right? Like it seems like, you know, if you're in 12th now and you just, and you're looking at your team and you're like, oh, there's no, oh, this guy's been hurt or that guy's been out or whatever. And he's coming back. Like if there's no sort of narrative for you to follow, then I think it, it does make some sense. What's your favorite uh, kind of rebuilding strategy? Is it, uh, you know, quality, quantity? Uh, is there, is there, do you like to identify like one player? I remember at some point Ozzy Albies and Cody Bellinger were two prospects I just really wanted. I gave up a lot to get them um, and it felt good at the time. It feels okay now, but uh, you know, uh, I've also in that league, Tom Trudeau traded away like Paul Goldschmidt and Aaron Nola and somebody else for Ronald Acuna Jr. when he was like in high A. Uh, and I thought that was uh, insane, but you know, he gets the last laugh. Yeah, I, I'm 100% uh, quality over quantity on, on those types of trades where you're um, selling your old guys for young guys. Like you, you, trading for prospects, like the bus, I think people always in Dynasty underrate the bust rate of prospects that are kind of in that like 15 to 50 range. Like mm-hmm. they just think of these guys as like, Oh, well this guy's going to be good. And this guy's going to be good. And this guy's going to be good. Like realistically, if you have two prospects who are between like 15 and 30, one of them is going to bust at least. Uh, so really going for those, those high end guys uh, in those trades. And then I think there's a lot to be said for, being active on picking up these sort of under uh, hyped guys that are, that are possibly breaking out at the big league level on bad teams. Uh, If you stay active on waivers and you're focused more sort of on skills than role at the time, um, Mm. just adding those guys that can help in a rebuild too. Yeah. So in a practical scenario, you might do that deal, um, you know, where you're giving up uh, a Goldschmidt Nola type, like you're giving up two or three um, uh, players and you might be giving up for one prospect. And, you know, uh, I don't know how much of your top five you want to give, but I think top fives are actually probably the easiest part of the rankings. Right. So who who are your top five right now? I mean, I I think like to me, if I were rebuilding uh, like Corbin Carroll would just be Mm-hmm. my dream target uh to sort of build around uh like i think he's kind of the next uh the next big thing really uh just kind of a perfect fantasy skill set uh 30 steel upside 25 to 30 homer upside uh really elite hit tool good on base skills mm. uh like the type of guy who could be just a perennial top five pick in fantasy and mm. Uh, you obviously would have to pay a ton to get him right now. Like uh, nobody's sleeping on Corbin Carroll, but uh, he's the type of guy that I'm just extremely confident in. Yeah. So give up an old pitcher, an old bat, maybe a third piece and get Corbin Carroll back. What's nice about that is you get those two roster spots and play with those two roster spots, you know, pick up, uh, uh, you know, pick up guys that don't don't have the shine. Um, you know, maybe like a Glenn Otto. You know, a, a young a young pitcher that you know could go on a tear that you know might look good in the pitching plus model. I don't know. Um, but uh, or uh, who do you can do you think of a like a young um, major leaguer that's sort of uh, that's sort of you know on the outside of a job right now, but uh, but uh, could to could break out. Um, well, it's, it's kind of, 
you know, I mean, like, could you could you pick up like Edwin Rios is your league that show? Right. Um, yeah. Like, probably not. I mean, I think this is the time of year where it depends on the depth all, of your league, of course. Yeah. All those guys have probably gotten scooped up already. Like, um, it is like a rough I, time. I, I love Clay Holmes like long term. Um, like he's like maybe my favorite reliever in baseball right now, but I think he's probably already been picked up in in dynasty leagues and stuff. So um, it, it's a t- like Owen Miller if you could have added him like first week of the season, um, like those types of guys. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if there's some uh, some lurking on some bad teams here. Let's. Uh... I mean, like a brand of jury, you know, you know, could could yeah. bust out into a, a regular playing time. Um, I'll give you like a super like I don't even necessarily believe in this guy, but uh, Jack Sawinski with the Pirates. Right. Um, someone who's just get like just someone who's getting run like just, yeah. you know, you can pick up the flavor of the month. You know, and you know, like if you picked up Sawinski and he turns into Schwindel, and I'm just saying that because of the letters in their name. <laughs> I don't know anything about Sawinski yet, but uh, and he turns into Schwindel, then maybe you have another piece to trade in the off season, uh, just because right. he's 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 busting to play now. And and for those of us, you know, those who are listening who are in in more shallower uh, dynasty leagues, uh, you know, I think like a Diego Castillo, you know, yes. or. Um, you know, Michael Chavis. Or, or here's uh like I, I like uh, Richie Palacios with the the Guardians a little bit. I think he uh-huh. just got sent back down. But um like those those types of guys, like the guys that are right there hanging around knocking, uh, Yeah, knocking yeah. on the doorstep a little bit. Uh and maybe maybe you get lucky, maybe there's a trade uh in the Guardians and, and he gets a spot somehow out of it or he gets traded. So yeah, uh, into that uh, sort of generally, but uh, then sort of you know specifically as you are you know how do you how do you make your your how are you you're doing an update right now like how, what's the process for you it's uh, looking through stats texting people like what's the yeah like I, I I've had a lot of people sort of reaching out like asking for like who are going to be the biggest risers, like that type of thing. Uh, That's I, what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it's, it's very easy for me to say like who, um, you know, like which guys that are in my top, like 150 now are going to be moving up. Like that part of it's easy, but I haven't even sat down and started uh, kind of crafting the the rankings yet I'm still like I'm in this sort of period I'm really just um, scouring for information mm. on you know which guys are breaking out like getting familiar with these guys and then um, probably starting on like Monday of next week I will actually be um, working on the actual rankings. Um, so I'm, I'm still sort of in, um, talk to people, watch video, um, look at stats mode on a lot of these guys, just getting myself familiar with them. And then I'll um, be kind of actually crafting the rankings, um, this upcoming week. So who, who are you hearing good things about? Um, well, like, you know, I, me- I mentioned, like Corbin Carroll, but um, like Jordan Jordan Walker with the Cardinals is a guy that's uh, I think like top thirty for me now, but might be top seven or eight on the update. Uh, he he's kind of he just looks like a phenom. Um, got a super aggressive assignment to Double A as a nineteen year old, and he's handled it better than I would have ever imagined. Uh, Robert Hassel and Michael Harris. Are and Walker, Walker's still playing. Is he playing short? Or third? Uh, I think he's playing third. Oh, he's he's um, playing third, okay. I mean, there's there's no chance he would end up at short if that is where he's playing right no, now. Yeah, um, no, it's third. It's third. So yeah. what's what's the, you know, do you ever think about, I mean, I guess you don't, you don't really care about that for your rankings, although they are sort of fantasy forward rankings, right? Yeah, but I do I do care about defense a lot. Uh, but do you also care about like what's happening in the major league level? And uh, I mean, it's because like Gorman is Gorman ahead of him. Not a, not as a prospect. He'll he'll get to the big leagues ahead of him, but he's okay. not as good of a prospect. Okay. Um, like you like with a guy that's this sort of elite, um, you know, the type of guy that only comes around for a team every five or 10 years. Like I just never care about, uh, what's blocking them. They'll make a, make room for them at some point. Right. 
if it's a guy like like I love um like I love Jonathan Aranda and Curtis Mead in the Rays organization, but you know, betting on a Rays infielder to get regular playing time it's anytime just, soon. <laughs> like it, like I, I don't like that that just really kind of um stings even, for the their value, right? Even Bruhan, right? Like just yeah, you know, he's up now and you still don't know how much he's gonna play. <laughs> yeah. They're just they've always got they always go like too deep at every position on the forty man and um even when the guy's up they're playing like four or five days a week tops until they really really break out um, unless it's a wander franco type so um, do you ever noticed con- yeah what's that well like the, the team, team context conference. matters for like that type of thing right i mean like um most you, teams you don't have to worry about that do you notice um like do you ever like sort of notice uh new positions they're playing in the minor leagues and sort of see that as a sign that they might be called up soon. Like for example, let's say next year, Jordan Walker's at double a and all of a sudden he's playing left field. Yeah, to- like, totally. Uh, you'd be like, well, that's, that's, that's near, that's different. And if like a, a good example of that is <clears throat> like if, if Carlos Correa had never gotten injured, I was, I was just going to be constantly keeping tabs on what position Royce Lewis was playing at triple a because he'd only been playing shortstop and he, he can play everywhere. Right. So it's just a matter of like, when did they, when were they going to decide to start playing him at third it's base? Second or, or third. Yeah. Field? Yeah. So like, um, that's something you're definitely always checking, especially once the guy's at triple a and like Jordan Walker, uh, kind of looks like a prototypical right fielder, um, uh, in many ways. And he's got a monster arm. So like, I, I could see that being a spot that he might end up, um, so yeah, that's that's definitely something to, to keep an eye on, especially once guys get to triple A. Do you think that Royce Lewis will stay up? Uh I think if he plays to his potential, uh I think he will. But like I think that they're they're probably very open with him about the fact that, you know, well, they got we'll see Korea. how this goes. <laughs> um you're obviously not gonna be playing shortstop once Perea is healthy, but right. Like he's a, like Royce Lewis is a better player than Jose Miranda, and he's a better player than uh, Luisa Ryan. Ryan, yeah. Uh, so, so like if if he hits and he's not just in a real funk at the plate when Correa gets activated, then I I don't see why they would send him down in favor of players that aren't as good as him. But uh, I don't think they would mind sending him down at all if he was struggling. I was a little bit, uh, I, I I had Miranda kind of in a different space in my head, I think. When I started looking at his minor league numbers again, yes, he has these like eye-popping batting averages, but it's mostly kind of a, a low strikeout rate, medium power approach, which, you know, do you have opinions about like how certain skill sets uh, poured over to the big leagues and, and you know, that like that, what, like how does that rank for you? Like a... A kind of like a 12% strikeout rate, 180 ISO in the minor leagues kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, I think it's sort of what, what type of trajectory are they on? Like, have they, have they only recently sort of started getting the power? Um, Which to be fair to Miranda, you know, the better power numbers are recent. Yeah. Uh, my big question with Miranda is just like, he's, he's kind of in that Willie Calhoun uh, range of of like a defender where uh, there's just, there's always going to be pressure on his bat. Um, So like that, that's where defense does really matter, especially if you're comparing like Miranda and Royce Lewis, where like Lewis is going to be a really good defender at the positions other than shortstop. Um, Like we, we saw that in the Arizona fall league a couple years ago where he was just playing all over the place and looking really good. Um, Miranda, I think there's a, sorry, there's a, there's a chance. Um, like you don't want to be playing Miranda at third is what I'm hearing. No, like you want to play him at first base or DH, like basically the Luis Arias problem. Like you don't want to be playing him anywhere either. Uh, so, um, I think like Miranda had sort of earned the opportunity ahead of Lewis because of what he did last year, where he just kind of destroyed upper level pitching and, it sort of put himself in this position, but mm-hmm. uh, Lewis was way better than Miranda at AAA this year, and he's mm-hmm. a way better defender. Ever try to break a bad habit and feel like you're climbing Everest in flip-flops? We've all been there, but here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. It's not about giving up. 
It's about switching up. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and a whole lot more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Start the year off right with the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash barrels, getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners of the show 10% off when they use our code barrels to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Start the good habit at tryfume.com slash barrels to save 10% off the journey pack today. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Yeah, it's it's a, I think it's a really interesting team for me because I find Gio Urshela actually to be a mild buy low. Um, you know, he's got the best swing strike rate of his career, one of the better reach rates, uh, chase rates. Uh, you know, his barrel rate is one of the best better ones of his career. Like his strikeout rate is, you know, like it's it's all looks good except for you know the the, the batting average and the power. So I kind of think I would if I were the Twins, I'd be running him out there a little bit longer, uh, especially since the glove is decent, but. Uh, you know, when you do have uh, high end upside in terms of Royce Lewis and then, you know, Miranda, who, you know, might be a, a better bat than Urshela, then you kind of you have these options and then they're kind of just right in front of you. <laughs> it must be a really difficult time to uh, to make a decision there. Um, who are some other names that have popped out for you? Uh, so, like, there's there's these three outfielders uh, that we're all top 100 guys and, and a couple of them are sort of top 30 guys coming into the year, but like Robert Hassel uh, with the Padres, Michael Harris with the Braves and Pete Crow Armstrong with the Cubs. Uh, they, they all kind of fit sort of the mold of prospect that I really gravitate towards where um, people maybe question the power a little bit but everything else is just off the charts and they're, they're getting to, to some power. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're, they're sort of those, those kind of five tooly sort of center field types mm-hmm. uh, where you just, the power might be the last thing to show up. Like I, I really like those guys and uh, they're all off to excellent starts. And I mean, Harris, uh, he's, he's the only one in the upper levels out of the three uh, Pete Crow's at low A, Robert Hasselink's mm-hmm. at high A. Um, Harris is at double A, but uh, Atlanta really loves him and they're they've kind of gone out of their way to not block him long term um, so I think he'll be up uh, probably for man not all of next season yeah he could be up pretty soon especially since they've been running out some interesting center field options <laughs> yeah uh, I mean they've been playing Adam Duvall in center yeah um, they're they, they definitely have been going kind of the, the one year at a time veteran retread types uh, there. And, um, and they've been, the, you know, the buzz around Harris, you know, he's, you know, David Bryan's writing articles about him. And, and you know, yeah, there's he, like, he almost sounds like he's like almost on that untouchable list when, when oh, yeah. you know, trades come up and stuff. Yeah. Prospects that are as good as him in real life don't really get traded. Um, yeah. He, he's, uh, and I, I love him because he, you can just like look at the skill set, and it's just like, oh man, this guy is so good at everything. Uh, his worst thing is hitting for power, but even that, like, he rates well in terms of hard hit rate and stuff like that. And he's got the the two thirteen ISO as a twenty one year old at Double A, right? Um, and he just has like he's got the the exact sort of skill set that we all are chasing in, in fantasy. Yeah, would would he kind of maybe go on that Corbin Carroll list? Maybe like where you could you could make a big trade for 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 him. Yeah, like if you if he was the headliner for you and you were selling like a really good veteran big leaguer, like I think that's fine. Uh, 
And he's he is better in batting average leagues than OBP leagues. Uh, yeah, I was looking. The patience is not not maybe you know elite, but he's he's kind of he's a little uh, he's a little Tim Andersony um, mm. to me. Good contact, good power. You know, not necessarily going to to wait for his the number one pitch. You know, for what it's worth, I, I wrote this piece about swinging, and you know, we might be in the middle of a little bit of a sea change in the big league level where. You know, when you have a home run rate like you did in 2019, uh, it makes sense to do what, you know, Alex Bregman said, which is, you know, I only swing at pitches I can homer on. But if the league is actually deadening the ball and that's going to stick around, then you actually want more Tim Anderson types because you want to shorten up. You want swinging. You want singles because you can't wait for that homer as much anymore. You need to kind of start stringing together some hits. So um, it's interesting to think sometimes about how these prospects interact with how the you know how the league is changing and what the league wants like if they ban the shift you know won't everybody want lefties yeah um and actually that's that's interesting that you uh what you said about like guys trying to hit for singles because i've actually noticed in some of my research this year that it seems like a lot of even like the best hitting prospects in the minors have really upped their opposite field rate. Uh, so maybe they're just a lot of teams are sort of teaching these guys, like, you know, don't, don't be afraid to just take a single when it's there on, on the outer corner. Mm. Um, so. Um, Top of the plate, reduce the strikeout yeah. rate. That's interesting. Uh, but then how does that play with like, if they ban the shift and like, no, 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 just pull it. Everything it's like, go back. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, if so, if if there's a if they ban the shift, aren't like how are they going to do it so that guys aren't just moving as soon as the guy delivers the pitch? Like, wouldn't wouldn't infielders just be like kind of breaking in certain directions? Yeah, I think you could. I, I think that's there's going to be there's obviously obviously going to be ways to game because you have an analyst, you have an R and D department. As soon as they create new rules, the R and D department goes around and tries to figure out how to you know subvert them basically. Right. So I guess what I would do if I was if I had to have two guys on the left side of the infield, I would still have my second baseman in kind of as deep as he could be and close to first base as he could be, and my shortstop would be standing on the bag. <laughs> <laughs> or wherever he's allowed to be, and then he would break into that space, right? He would mm-hmm. break into that space past the pitcher on the right side of the of the bag. So yeah, be you can't, and then you can't legislate that. You can't be like, well, you can't go over there. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like I'm not allowed to be over there. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be that's that's fun. Um, also, uh, interesting in this trio of outfielders that you've mentioned is. There, you know, Michael Harris. There's a kind of a distinct difference between Michael Harris and Pete Crow Armstrong in that they're the levels they're at. And you know, we at, at Devil's Rejects in the past have we've had. I, I you gotta help me remember some of them because I've always fought. Like whenever you come up with their name, I'm like, oh my god, these stats are amazing. Uh, Hedbert Perez was the one I remember uh, in A ball, but there have been others. There, what are some of the other names that we picked oh, out that that I that should uh, pan out? I should dig up our trade history. Um, yeah, because yeah, like, we've been trading them left and right. Basically, like we've, uh, I don't think we've ever regretted trading a guy in the lower levels of the minors in this league. And, uh, you know, part of that is it's not like we're rostering these elite number one overall pick types and then trading them. Um, we're, but we're, doing, we're, we're picking up pop-up guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a open. And that's universe. the difference between mm-hmm. Hedbert so. Perez and Pete Armstrong, right? Uh, well, re- well, kind of, yeah. I mean, Pete Armstrong was um, really high pedigree drafty who basically missed all of last year uh, with an injury, which is the only reason he's still at low a, but like he's, mm-hmm. He's going to be like he should already be at high A probably. Uh, that that won't take very long. But uh, like with Hedbert, um, it was like a lot of buzz from what he was doing and like the tricky league uh, where they weren't keeping stats and like what he was doing <laughs> and uh, big league spring training and stuff like that. And uh, you know, it just it was one of those things where a very talented uh, player, very like gifted in certain ways as a hitter but he's just been completely 
unable to make the normal adjustments that the, the best players make when they go to. And that's just like so. that's the problem with, with. I mean, yes, go like if you have those two roster spots after your trade, you know, maybe one of them can go to a, a pop up guy in a complex league or in or in the Dominican or somewhere that's just putting up some bonkers stats. It's fine to do that. Uh, but then don't I wouldn't hug that guy too hard, you know, like if it comes down to a choice about keeping, you know, and it's him or somebody with a little bit more pedigree. Like, I think sometimes you trust the scouts and you trust the, the trust the rankings and don't worry about that guy who has a 420 batting average in, in the Dominican League or something, you know? Yeah. And it and like sort of a, like prospect, my process for evaluating prospects for, for dynasty is is kind of always evolving and. Uh, there definitely was a run there um, where I was overvaluing uh, those teenagers, especially like the international guys who, uh, because we had just, we just kind of come off of that uh, Juan Soto, Acuna, mm. Tatis. Like where you want to be out in front on a guy right. that didn't yeah. have the pedigree necessarily, or didn't have all the buzz and was just rocketing up the way. Right. And it's just, uh, like there are always going to be those guys, you know, like, like Wander Franco happened just last year. Right. So like mm-hmm. there are always going to be those types of guys. Uh, but I think I over, I started overrating the best international signees um, before they had really proven it. Um, and so I think you, it's okay to be um, a little, cautious with with some of these guys um and it's and it's also the gap like because they got rid of all those short season leagues you're just going to keep seeing a ton of these guys go from complex ball to low a and really struggle because it's just such a massive gap um like the pitching like the pitching in the complex leagues is just terrible Mm. so um anyone that has any sort of hand-eye coordination and power is going to be able to put up crazy numbers there so um, we just got to kind of be careful to not look at those complex league numbers and assume that it's just going to keep carrying over. Isn't the complex league a little bit different now than it was uh, before they they slimmed down um, the minor leagues? Aren't Isn't it a little bit more crowded? Uh, do they have new rules about how many people can be down there? Because there, there was a whole deal um, where they just, you know, eliminated, uh, you know, basically a team, a minor league team per, per organization almost. And, uh, and, you know, I'd, I'd heard from people, oh, they're just going to throw all those kids down in the complex league. And the D-backs apparently had, you know, like 60 people down in their complex or something. Uh, yeah, are, they, are they tightening those rules or, or is it pretty crowded down there? Or what's the complex league right, like right now? Um, well, there's some teams. It's, it's kind of different, like team to team. Like some teams are just really, really invested in um, – in that uh, that level and just having um, a bunch of players there and uh, other teams like uh, like the the Rockies uh, never had a they never had a complex team like it was they had the DSL and then they had the I, I can safely league. say don't do what the Rockies do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I can't t- I can't tell has it worked out for the D-backs is there have there been some shining jewels that have come out of the complex league recently where we've been like oh yeah it's great that we had 80 people down there um hmm. let me see like it they, they've well eh, Davison De Los Santos um was kind of a a big deal uh he was a 2019 j2 guy uh uh, christian robinson would have kind of been a big deal if if he hadn't and christian robinson maybe they were allowed they maybe they could like you know there was a whole there was a whole like personal angle on that's that's robinson right where he had yeah yeah stuff he's going on so maybe it allowed them a kind of a place to bring him back into the fold you know, you yeah, complex I, I, leagues like they 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 feed you and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you know they're not just like, hey, you know, you're living in Modesto now. <laughs> and I think I think a lot of these these uh, they just want to sort of have their guys all around, and they might not all be like active um, in terms of playing in the the games, but or they're on the roster, quote unquote. Yeah, they're, they're they're always sort of scrimmaging down there and stuff too. So like. Um, I think it's just you know be at be at our facility. That's that's where they have all the sort of 
high-end um, developmental tools and stuff, and they've got all the the dietitians and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. like, they want as many of those guys there as as they can uh, handle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think generally, you know, pick up those, those high A pop-ups, uh, low A pop-ups, complex league pop-ups, but don't, uh, don't fall in love too much, but you know, it is still kind of difficult to kind of, you know, I, I think of Jeremy Pena, you know, like he's doing so well right now. What was, what did, what was Pena doing on your, on your rankings as he came up? Like how did, did he slip between the cracks or was he always prominent? Like, you know, is he, you know, how old is he right now? Uh, he's 24. Uh, and nice a, thing that we a little bit older than, you know, than other guys. So that would have taken some of the ceiling quote unquote off of him for some rankers, you know? So he was, we, I have every prospect, uh, on their player page has like a graph where I can go and see where I had them ranked. Um, and so Pena was, uh, around 300 back in 2019, uh, got up to like 200, uh, the off season between 2019, 2020. Um, then he came off the rankings during the pandemic year. Uh, like he was, he's a really good example of, um, a player who legitimately made themselves a better player, um, when nobody was watching basically, uh, mm. like he, he remade his body like like he just showed up uh in 2021 and, and then he was injured in 2021 too but like he he showed up um, so much more power yeah yeah he added a ton of good good weight uh during the pandemic and so he got so much better and we didn't really know i mean the astros obviously knew but we didn't necessarily know how much yeah, better he got 2021 yeah <laughs> and then he then he even showed up like after he got healthy in 2021 you know he, he put up really good numbers but like if you look at his like k to walk in triple a last year like it wasn't that good uh, and and already at that point he's 23 you know yeah yeah so he was um let's see so like at the end of last year, I had him uh, 147, uh, which was the highest point I'd ever had him. But I didn't bump him inside my top 100 until um, this past winter when you started seeing a lot of buzz about uh, this is going to be a guy that has a chance to break camp. And then um, I had him top 30. Uh, before opening day but even that wasn't high enough Mm. Um, you know I think just getting when it's a when it's a proximity guy who um, is as productive as he is I mean like you really can't put a price on that especially rebuilding but like I mean that's what a lot of teams major league teams are trading for right like they want they want a guy who's kind of popped up a little bit but not a high a they want the guy who's popped up and is doing it a triple a or double a Right, and because you just ready have to go. so much more confidence in the, the reality of those numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, they, like I think the- that's what the A's do most of the time. The A's just like, oh, that guy who's just putting up good numbers this last year in Double A. You know, like we'll take him, Kevin Smith. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they went. I mean, they went and traded for just a ton of uh, low pedigree pitchers who had put up good numbers at Triple A, yeah, and exactly. then they just <laughs> sort of hoped that like maybe two of the five would turn into like back-end starters for him. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're They look really, uh, really weird through the lens of the of pitching plus and stuff. Plus like, uh, Loesch has uh really interesting stuff plus and, and no command. Aller has one, uh, one major league pitch. It looks like the slider. Uh, and I'm not sure that he can even like command the rest, but he has this reputation as a strike thrower. So just like a really weird collection of arms that they put together. And yet, if I look at the guys that they've made it, that have made it in their rotation and are quote unquote, like good options. Now I'm like, what? Like, but I don't think Paul Blackburn is good. Is Paul Blackburn good? Uh, I hope he's good. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You, you put some money on him in labor. I- I uh, I think I bid like twenty eight on him, and I or I, I got him for twenty six in labor, and uh, the next closest bid was like six or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that you was needed, a, that was you, a rookie you mistake. Need the pitching? Is that what you're saying? Or no, you have the pitching. 
I yeah, I'm I have too much pitching. Like I I have uh, Winder and Clay Holmes on my bench, and I can't really plug them in. Uh, but I need I'm I'm short a couple bats. Uh, so I've got bats, but uh, you know I yeah Blackbird it's Cole Irvin good you know like they're it's they're weird if you watch them too you're like I um, I don't know like they they have pitches but are I any think, of them really I think good Blackburn's got plus plus Moxie uh, <laughs> Moxie <laughs> <laughs> well I do I mean I I do think that they have a lot of pitches. Urban and Blackburn have a lot of pitches and I think they have decent command of those pitches. And so, I mean, if, if, if pitching is like keeping people off balance, then at least they start with those things. I just sometimes wonder if they have like the pitch they need for that out, you know what I mean? Or that swing, that strikeout, you know, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily see that, but you know, it's, it's really interesting to like have put that up against Matt Brash, right? Because if you are like in love with the the kind of the stuff plus and the pitching plus model, you're like, oh, Matt Brash, you know, like he has a 190 slider. I've never seen that before. Like this is amazing, <laughs> uh, and you fall in love with him, and uh, and then he doesn't have Moxie. He has minus Moxie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he um, does. He has like. Then you're like, well, maybe he only has one breaking ball, and he really didn't command it. You know. Um, and I. I even talked myself into him because of, uh, you know, like we'd sort of seen like, uh, like Denilson Lamette and Tyler Glasnow and guys like that uh, yeah. dominate big league hitters with the two monster pitches. Um, yeah. And then now it's, and then that, that kind of it, the, the interesting test case I think is going to be Max Meyer to some degree uh, because He's got a he's probably got a better changeup than um, Brash, and he's got better command than Brash, but he's still uh, really reliant on how good that that slider is and how good his fastball is. Uh, so I think that'll that'll be a really interesting test case to sort of see how he does over the span of like 12, 20 starts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, well, that was a really good segue. Uh, I do have a piece coming out tomorrow about minor league numbers. I have minor league stuff numbers for uh, the PCL that where Max Meyer is. Uh, what was your line about the PCL though? How many how many top pitching projects does the PCL have? Yeah, yeah, you were you were like, I, we're only gonna go, <clears throat> we're not gonna go past like the top ten or so because I gotta leave something on the bone. Like, well. <laughs> You don't know how much I'm leaving on the bone. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, Max Meyer, uh, the slider, 124 stuff plus, uh, uh, 110 location. Like, that looks perfect. He knows where to put it. It's a really good slider. The, what I like is the fastball has a 109 stuff plus, 91 location. So maybe there's some fastball command issues, but uh, it's also a, a couple of starts of information. So. I don't think um, I'm ready to run for the hills yet, but the changeup has good stuff. Plus, uh, so I I, I see the, the possibility there for a three pitch guy. The uh, top ten uh, for uh, and I put no minimums on it because uh, there just frankly aren't a lot of guys who pitch a lot of innings. Um, and uh, so the number one uh, PCL stuff plus is Blake Snell. <laughs> That's cheating. Uh, and then actually there's some names on here that are just awful. 
Cesar Valdez is second. Yes, that's Cesar Valdez. Um, I could see actually how he doesn't have great uh, uh, pitching plus. It's uh, great stuff plus, okay location, not great pitching. Uh, bad platoon splits because it's all that fosh, right? Like he probably might even have like reverse platoon splits where, you know, he's got that change up, but what can he do to get same handed guys out? And somehow they're trying to turn him into a starter. So I just, I think that's kind of hilarious. Um, then uh, Brian Mitchell, who I don't know who that is. Uh, Hunter Brown, you had uh, something to say about. We'll return to him real quickly. Tyler Thomas, Max Meyer, Kelvin Nunez, Ryan Pepio, and Mackenzie Gore, and Matthew Libertori end up the top 10. Uh, but uh, Hunter Brown and Ryan Pepio, you thought, uh, had uh, similar profiles, if not. I mean, nobody throws uh, the Ryan Pepio screw slider changeup thing that he throws. But there's something similar between Hunter Brown and Ryan Pepio. Yeah, they they have uh, just really – they seem like classic uh, two- to three-inning relievers, uh, most likely to me. Uh, like, Pepio, just that first outing couldn't have been more kind of textbook. Uh, like, he just – he'll give you, like, a pitching ninja gif, and then he'll walk half the guys he faces uh, and – like Brown's kind of the same way. Um, but you were saying that uh, the command uh, numbers you have on Brown are, are better than Pepio. So maybe he's uh, – like he, he's still walking too many guys, obviously. But, um, you know, maybe maybe he can get by uh, with sort of a, an elevated walk rate. What uh, organization is he in? Uh, Houston. Uh, well, you know, the nice thing about Houston is they have some, um, you know, uh, I think that they were doing some of what the Rays were doing with the one target. Um, you know, with Glassnow, they had one target for Glassnow where he just, you know, always hit that one target. And if it's a curveball, it just works off that target down. Um, and so maybe there's some things that Houston can do uh, to get the most out of Brown. But also... Uh, Houston will be fine with a two-inning pitcher too, and like they, they, yeah. they might just use him as that because that's going to get them to their championship. Right? So uh, there's a kind of a double-edged sword sometimes with the smart organizations. Um, I wonder uh, if Pepio will make it. The, I think the name that really pops for me, and and it's I think it's cool that Gore and Liberator um, have uh, some similarities, and in, in that they both have uh, above-average location plus uh, top ten stuff plus in the PCL. Um, and, uh, you know, lefties that have had like kind of an up and down, uh, run in prospect lists and, and just like, you know, uh, what people think of them. Um, and, uh, so I think this makes me more bullish on Matthew Libertor because Gore has come into the major leagues. And I think he's shown a good fastball with good shape, uh, and good velo, um, a, a slider that looks like a major league slider that he can command and then two pitches, he can work on, you know, like obviously the changeup, I think has good shape and used to be his, one of his out, like maybe his out pitch, but uh, he isn't commanding it well at the major league level. So I would say, you know, find a way to command that changeup better. And, uh, and you've got a three pitch pitcher and it's going to work out. So I, I am because of these numbers, more bullish on Matthew Libertor. Where do you, where do you stand on him? Yeah, he's, he's been trending up for me for, uh, over for about a year uh the the fastball i think i i wrote him off a little bit um because it's a sinker yeah i mean it's just uh not ideal um from a velocity or shape standpoint but uh he's really improved the rest of his arsenal and uh like his slider's gotten to be really good and uh he's you know, he knows how to pitch. Like he's definitely a starter. Um, and I, I mean, you couldn't, like I've said this, I think I've said this a couple of times, but like you couldn't ask for a better situation for a pitching prospect to be. Yeah. Right. yeah. Like, Cause you just, you have everything there, right? Like you have easy access to that rotation. You have just a perfect division, great ballpark. Park, yeah. yeah. Like it's just, it's really nice. So, um, you know, if a pitching prospect with any potential comes up through the Cardinals org this year, I'm going to be excited. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I could see either Dakota Hudson. I mean, Dakota Hudson, I, I just don't get. I can't believe that for his career, he's had 280 innings with a 318 ERA with the pitches he has like I and the command he has like he has minus minus command minus stuff I mean just look it, at his like his swing strike rates his strikeout rates like I don't get it it's because uh he's got a 58 percent ground ball rate and yeah. he just he he walks a guy and then he gets a double play <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> that's it just seems unsustainable like the things that we know about major league pitching are that like k minus bb is like one of the most powerful things and he has like a three k minus bb the average is, is like 13 so it's like yeah i don't i don't get it uh so i feel like dakota hudson can implode uh or get injured he's also been oft injured in his career um steven matz uh has been oft injured and uh is imploding um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, Wainwright is old and Michaelis is old. So I feel like he, he might be, and then Hicks has been injured. So I know Verhagen is on that roster, but I, I kind of feel like Libertor might be, uh, or he's not on the roster. He's, he's rehabbing a hip. I bet you that's a phantom rehab. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like he's he's knocking on the doorstep. So that's a fun one. You know, um, fastball shape is is a tough one. I think I think it's really hard to see. You know, when you're when you're like, you kind of need to be behind home plate. And even when you are, um, I think like I was just even talking to some scouts about this recently. Like uh, that ride and jump. Like the difference between a pitch that's just straight and doesn't have ride and a pitch that is straight and has and has ride, I think is just really hard to see with your eyeballs. So you think you see I like I think I can see it better from the like from behind. TV angle. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Like um like I I actually prefer when I'm like video scouting a pitcher, I prefer the TV angle than the I had a hitter told me that he preferred to prepare for pitchers from behind the, from the TV angle. Yeah. I, I just think you can see better what the stuff does, like and sort of how it plays off each other. Like the pitches play off each other better. Mm. Um, but I, and you, and you get a, I think you get a better sense of command from that angle too, but I, I, yeah. So, um, but I don't know. But do, do, do you think that uh, the fastball shape is 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 one of the more difficult things to scout? Totally. I mean, well, like, if you get reliable data on the, like, spin and stuff, then... It makes it easier. Right. Um, I know I don't... I know there's sort of debates about how reliable that stuff um, that, that people get their hands on is, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think you can the hitters will kind of tell you like almost like just sort of how um, tough it is to, to square up the, the fastball. Um, but I mean, yeah, uh, you could maybe see like pop-ups. Like if it is a high ride fastball, you start to see pop-ups or you sort of like, see like hitters kind of like, you know, not swing it or like, or like, you know, kind of do some body language maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see some, uh, I did see a track man for Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, and uh, the, Best comp for the fastball is Kevin Gaussman. Uh, and then he has a changeup that almost nobody is throwing. It has like uh, 14 inches vertical separation off of the fastball and 14 miles per hour difference, difference, which like that makes me a little bit nervous because a lot of the guys who had that plus changeups like that are like, Honeywell, Faria, Cotton, you know, like that are both plus velocity differential and movement differential. Uh, but the curveball had 30 inches uh, drop off of the fastball uh, and uh, it was it was hard. And like, so I don't know. I think that even if his changeup isn't as amazing, uh, you know, he's got he looked like he had legit four pitches and was sitting like 96, 97. So who who uh, just off of like your info who do you like more out of grayson and max meyer i have seen the the underlying numbers for both of them uh i'm gonna go with with, uh grayson because he's throwing four pitches uh and he's throwing them regularly and that's kind of what i like you know when i say about gore is like he's there's only two pitches that 
really rate above average in the model and that are like solid major league pitches. But I'm happy he throws the curve and the change, even if they aren't great. Because think about that conversation we we're just having about Cole Irvin versus Matt Brash, right? Like Matt Brash doesn't even try to throw the other stuff. You know, like mm. he's already he's already narrowed it down. He already knows these are the two pitches, you know, and that's what I've got. So I'd rather have a guy who made it all the way to the major leagues with four pitches, even if maybe later he focuses on three. Because it just it tells me that he's got a wider arsenal. He's got a wider, he's got more chances at it too. Let's say the changeup is weird. Well, he's still got the curveball and slider. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not it's not all gonna depend on on one pitch. Whereas I think with Meyer, uh, you know, if he doesn't throw the changeup, then it'll be fastball slider, you know, and then there's we've seen some some weakness on fastball slider guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a it's a fun uh, you know juxtapose because um, I, I think it's possible you see Meyer and Rodriguez debut like the same week. Um, like, Palooza. I mean, yeah, no, it, it's that's what I'm hoping for. Like, I'm hoping, and we, honestly, Is, you might see like you might see Libertor up. Like, they, they could all three uh, come up kind of around and the, the same time. And the sneaky play here, like reading between the lines on our on our on our, our analysis here, the sneaky play might be to not do the like two hundred fifty dollar bid on uh, Grayson Rodriguez. Keep it keep it in the pants, even if you think Grayson Rodriguez is the best do like a $120 bid on him and then 115 on Max Meyer and 111 on, on Matthew Libertor. Maybe you end up with Matthew Libertor for 111, but they're closer than people might think. I mean, that's, that's what the underlying stats are saying. Yeah. I mean, I think you're Libertor does have the worst fastball. I do have it done by pitch and it's an 86 stuff plus fastball. So like he does have the worst fastball of the group. Yeah. You, you kind of, it's tough because you run the risk like with Libertor, it's possible that he's just a guy that you only feel comfortable starting against the pirates and the Cubs. And, <laughs> uh, then like with, with Meyer and Rodriguez and then like George Kirby, like, I think you should feel pretty good about like, I can Most just kind of leave up. this guy in my lineup um, and just hope that they stay healthy. Yeah. That's a big difference. I mean, I, I definitely have Libertor third, but I, I think there might be a, a sneaky play there. Or the, sneak, the sneaky play is, is is Max Meyer, you know, bidding a little bit less on Meyer than Rodriguez and, and winning Meyer uh, because they're, there's a lot to like about all three of them. But um, I think anyway. Meyer, like Meyer's, Meyer's slider, I just want to get your take on really quick because I, I just, can you, does it um, remind you of any other sliders? Because like it, to me, it's kind of just this, like, unicorn slider almost in terms of its shape and its velocity like it's just yeah the, no, the it, vertical drop on it is just crazy yeah it's uh it, it's uh it is a crazy it is a crazy slider I was, I'm, I'm looking here i thought i had uh, uh huh i thought i had a, a comp here in my yeah anyway um yeah, I don't, I don't have, I don't have for it because it has, it has good, it's like all sorts of movement, right? Like it's, it's, uh, you know, I think it's, I, th and it's funny too because the, 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 the scouting has just been like, this guy's great on the slider, like this guy's slider's great, you know? Yeah, um, and, and it's just, uh, it's just kind of like the perfect, it's like the perfect slider. Like if I were to just give someone a slider, um, yeah, so I wonder. It, if the the model has something to say about this, this what's funny is that um on uh on the in the model um so pitching plus does not uh uh stuff plus does not look at um uh at uh platoon splits okay um and then pitching plus does um i don't know if that was the right decision and we may revisit it, but the idea is like, just look at which shapes work and then pitching plus can say, is that a shape that has a platoon risk? Right. And I wouldn't think that his does. And it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, uh, you know, the, the pitching, the stuff plus on it is 124 and the pitching plus is 123. So it looks, uh, it looks like it, uh, it, it doesn't have, uh, the, the platoon splits. Um, so, 
Uh, like for example, just to compare, Matthew Libertor's slider has a 126 stuff plus and a 107 pitching plus. Mm. So that that has more of a platoon split. That's more of a traditional slider. So uh, that's a, there's something to tease out there, but um, so it may not be that risky. Also, right, if he's just fastball slider and it and it doesn't have platoon splits. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard. Uh, I I had. Uh... Uh, Nate Handy on my podcast uh, yesterday, and he was saying that like the the slider just destroys lefties. Um, so he like uh, I think that the changeup is still nice to have as a, just a, to keep guys off balance and stuff. But um, and he will throw like it's not he's not going to throw his changeup. But um, what's your organizational yeah. read there too? Because he's not on the forty man yet, and Edward Cabrera is. Edward Cabrera is behind him in terms of uh, bulk and 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 just being mm-hmm. pitching on the season. Um, you know, but, and they don't really necessarily have a quote unquote need. Uh, I don't know. I, I, my read was like, maybe if it's a injury, like a short-term injury, it's Cabrera. Uh, but if they're making a real change in the rotation, like for example, Eliezer Hernandez is out of the rotation. Then I think if it's a real change in the, in the, it might be Meyer. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I was talking to Craig Mish about this uh, a few weeks ago and he he's pretty plugged he thinks, in there. Yeah. He thinks that Edward Cabrera might be a guy that they shop. Um, mm. And so maybe, I don't know whether it would help or hurt his trade value. If you bring him up and he like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> you just want to keep him like putting up really good numbers at AAA or something. Um, like I don't, I don't think anyone would fault them for just going with Meyer. I mean, he's, like what? What could he possibly be learning at right now at AAA? Like AAA hitters just have no chance against that stuff. So, uh, I would be tempted to just get him up while he's healthy. Um, and then Cabrera, you know, I don't think there'd be anything wrong with letting him build up as well, just because he's missed time with injuries and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two starts, injuries, plus the command isn't looking good yet. So, I mean, if if it's about winning games, it's Meyer. Mm-hmm. And I think it's got to it's got to be about winning games for that team. Uh, yeah, given what they to... did in the offseason. Right, and they and you know they're fourteen and seventeen with expanded playoffs. Like they can they can convince themselves like they've got a shot at it. So you can't waste this jazz season. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know that uh, I I think that hopefully that helps some people. Uh, the way they think about their dynasty teams, uh, the way they think about prospects, uh, the way that they they go and uh, uh, get a RotoWire subscription and read your rankings when they come out. <laughs> um, but uh, I think we're we're going to wrap that this up uh, here. Uh, well, I did want to do one. Would you rather, real quick? This is just a random uh, one bonus for anybody who stuck around. Uh, would you rather? Would you rather James Tyon or Alex Cobb? Uh, for me, it's Cobb pretty easily, but I, like it would have been close if it was uh, Angels Cobb versus Tyone, but Giants <laughs> Cobb. Like, ninety-five, I'm, ninety-six. I'm obsessed with like Cobb's. It's just so pretty watching his uh, fastball and his his splitter. Like it's just so. And the curveball is good too. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really in, like. I if Cobb can just stay healthy from here, I really think he's going to just be a, a monster the rest of the way. Uh, taking nothing away from Tyon, I just think the strikeouts are going to be separated there. Yeah, I just talked to Cobb. And it's funny. He said that everybody tell, tells him he needs to throw his curveball more. My model says his curveball is good. He goes out and he shoves yesterday. And he throws ten curveballs. So <laughs> I feel like there's even like a, you know, oh, you're seeing me a second time. Hey, how about 25 curveballs today? Uh, so I think I think the curveball is good enough for him to like, you know, kind of get through the line lineups teams again, uh, you know, who are kind of prepping for the splitter. But uh also who's gonna win labor? Uh well, uh, you have a <laughs> you have a you have a twenty seven standings points <clears throat> lead. We'll see. There's also five months to go. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I I was asking you before we started recording, like what like what your true talent level is, because like I I don't I'm looking at my offense. I don't think I can get to the 
I don't even think I can get to triple digits. You're at 110. I'm at 83. So I, I need you to kind of give half of that back. I don't think I can make up more than half of it. Rest of the yeah, I was saying I don't I don't really have an overperformer. I mean, if you think Brandon Marsh can't hit 264, I guess he might come down. Josh Naylor is not going to hit 347. Um, but uh, I also have a surplus with Kyle Lewis coming back. So uh, hopefully I make the right moves. Oh, I would maybe, like to. Maybe I, I can bank on like a Josh Naylor steroid suspension or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't start that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the embarrassing thing is that I think this is like my 10th or 11th year in labor. And the reason that's embarrassing is just by the friggin' numbers, I should have won one by now. <laughs> there are 12 people in labor. <laughs> I have a one in 12 chance every year. Yes, they're all they're all really good. Uh, and I and I hope this is my year uh, and you can have next year. Yeah, I mean, you're super due. Uh... Yeah, super due. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cold at the plate. Um, but uh, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, hope to see you. I, I just, I'll see you at the Arizona Fall League, worst case scenario. Uh, but uh, let me know if you come through uh, around here uh, and enjoy this uh, Bucks ride uh, through the playoffs. And uh, uh, for those of you listening, there's a, you can uh, subscribe, uh, like, and subscribe, please. Uh, barrel up on that like button. That's something that Derek says. Uh, barrel up on that like button on YouTube, please. Uh, subscribe like and review wherever you can do such things. Uh, there's a $1 deal. If you follow uh, uh, theathletic.com slash rates and barrels, uh, James Anderson, what is your, I don't have your, uh, your Twitter handle in front of me. Uh, real J.R. Anderson. That's right. Real that's he's James Anderson's real J.R. Anderson on Twitter. I am, Eno Saris. Uh, and that's, that will wrap things up for us back with you next week thankfully with Derek Van Riper in the fold thanks for coming on James yeah thanks so much for having me man this was great thanks for listening